The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Skinny with Rico and Ken is a production of iHeartRadio. The racing world lost one of its most beloved characters and one of its best journalists this past week. Robin Miller passed away of cancer. We here at The Skinny had an opportunity to spend some time with Robin about a year or so ago, and the guys had a great opportunity to catch up with him and learn a little bit more about what made the man tick. Here the guys ask him a little bit about his career and, and how it all got started. Why not come up with a couple of your credentials along the way as you worked for the Indianapolis Star for 33 years. And I love the part when you got your first job at, at the Speedway, you were a stooge. I don't know. Has that changed at all? Are no, you still I, a stooge? I, I'm actually dumber now than I was in 1968. <laughs> Jim Herdebees was my hero, and I would go to the sprint car and, and stock car races at the fairgrounds and the raceway park. And I heard that he liked beer, so I'd steal beer and I'd give it to him in the hopes that he would maybe someday recognize my face and maybe my name some decade. And I'd give him beer while I was standing outside the garage in 68, cutting school. And Herc walked in and I said, hi, Herc. And he's like, hey, 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 what are you doing? I said, I'm just, he goes, you want to you help me for a week? I mean, that was, my life was just completed at the Help you, yeah. I mean, he had, it was when it was three weeks of practice. So Pete heard of bees, and the crew hadn't come in yet, so it was me and another college kid and Jim, and that was the three of us. And uh, my job was to run the pit board, help push the car, put tape over his uh, goggles on his helmet, and don't touch any tools because I was such an idiot. And I got fired because I ruined the paint job. Uh, I taped his goggles onto his helmet once with a bunch of hair sticking out because I got nervous, and he pulled his goggles off and ripped his hair off. So 
I was free help when I got fired. And so I cut school and he made the race. The last roadster to make the race was in 1968, and that was that year. It was Jim, and he made it on Monday, the extra day of qualifying. And I cut school, and I was over by the fence and cheering for him, and he gave me the big wave over to come over the fence and get a qualifying picture, but I got drugged back by the, the guards. I, I wasn't allowed. But then I became friends with him and uncovered him and wrote about him at the Star, and it all came full circle. But if you guys could have seen him in 1960 at Terre Haute in a sprint car, you'd just take your breath away. It was unbelievable. So that he's the one that hooked me. And then, uh, and then you followed up with Chief Mechanic Bill Finley, who was uh, he had some great words to say about you too and your mechanical abilities. He told me once he said, "Don't take this wrong, kid, but you're the dumbest human being I've ever seen around a race car." <laughs> he, he gave me a piece of metal to cut once, and it was a bandsaw, and I was just getting ready to cut both my thumbs off when he turned it off, and he goes, "What? Do you see what you're doing there?" Oh, yeah, thanks, Bill, for not cut. But, I mean, at the worst day of his life, you know, I, I stooged on his crew, and I was the vent guy on pit stops. And uh, he was so generous with his time. And, well, not just me, but you – it didn't matter who you were, Kenny. If you had a sprint car, a midget, or anything, he would help you. He, the guys would just walk in. And, and Finley built his own Indy car in his garage behind his house with his own two hands and made the Indy 500 in those cars. Isn't that awesome? Johnny Parsons, Bentley Warren uh, – unbelievable and he was just you know he told me once he goes i'm not this nice to my kids why do i help you i said charity case <laughs> described him as without a mechanical bone in his body yes he said you should never own a race car you sh you can barely start a car you should never own your own race car is it is it, it then late. then when you decided that you wanted to drive a race car? So, no, so I, then he goes to Andy Granatelli in 1972 and buys his first race car. Right. Listen to after, that advice. After Finley's advice, Art Pollard helped me get a, a Formula Ford from Andy Granatelli. It was painted day glow orange. And I ran about seven or eight races before I tore it in half at Watkins Glen. But I ate lunch every day with Vukovic, Bentonhausen, Parsons, and all the USAC guys. And they said, look, if you want to learn how to drive a race car and you're really serious, get rid of that squat to pee racer and go get a sprint car or midget. So I bought... A midget from Gary Bentonhausen. It was the car Merle made his comeback on after Merle lost his arm at Michigan in the IndyCar race. Although they didn't really lose his arm. It was in the middle of the groove. They found his arm, but they say he lost his arm. <laughs> it just was no longer It was attached. just no longer on his body. So I'm running. I become the, the fourth Bentonhausen brother. So Gary gets to order me around and scream at me and everything. And, and I had a, a Bentonhausen midget. And uh, it was a wonderful little car. And... Um, I had that for like five years, and then I bought Gary Stanton, sold me his very first midget. Stanton had great sprint cars, and he sold me his very first midget, and I drove him nuts. I'd call him every day. Hey, how's my car? He goes, if you call me one more time, you're not going to have a car because I'll stop working on it. What do you mean, how's it going? You'll get it when it's done. You know, oh, sorry. So I had, a, I had a really good Stanton midget, and I drove that till I got about $100,000 in debt, and... Um, it was the greatest eight years of my life because you learned so much about yourself and about racing. And in those days, the first time I went to Kokomo, I made the feature, and there were 13 guys out of 20 starters were in that year's Indy 500. So these guys I've been writing about in the star, I'm suddenly on a racetrack with. And my whole goal was, geez, don't kill somebody, don't get in their way. This is how they make their living. So you just want them to respect you. So I got so I was at. To quote Jim McGee, you were a half-assed driver. That's probably a good term. <laughs> I had some good moments and some bad, but uh, never trade a moment of what – that was just the greatest. The USAC, in those days, in the 70s, it was – you just look back at the at the guys that were running midgets. It was amazing. 
So you have a good run there in that midget you were talking about, but your your best race to date inside of the midget was the Hut 100. Oh, yeah. Well, by far. Qualified fifth out of 93 cars. I I mean, you said the guy said you were a half-assed driver. That must have been, you must have been sitting on the right side of your ass that day. I had been the first alternate the year before. I was 34th fastest out of 102 the year before. Well, you might as well be 84th fastest because you're going home. There was no semi. There was no hooligan. There was no heat races. So when I went out to qualify in 80, Willie Davis, bless his heart, was the USAC official sitting on my right front tire. And he goes, how's it going, Birdman? I go, you better fire up the ambulance and the record court because I ain't going to be first alternate. He goes, calm down, Birdman. I said, I'm as calm as I can be. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Nobody had made the race in about 30 minutes because the cushion was gone. It was like this far from the fence. And Joe Saldana and Steve Chassie said, the only way you're going to make this thing is to run it wide open against the fence. You just got to do it. So I did. And I was, so I came down a straightaway and sleepy trip and the guy there, they were, they were pretty happy for me. So I pulled in and the first thing is Gary Bentonhausen came down and goes, spit in my hand. I go, what? He goes, drug test. Who was in that? <laughs> who was in that? Who was in that car? I said, that was me schmuck. You know? So then for the race started, you know, so you got Poncho and Vo- you got all these badasses behind me. And so Poncho comes up and he says, what side do you want me to pass you on at the start? And I said, I don't care what. But I actually passed Johnny Parsons for third, like on about the sixth lap. And it was the very first race ESPN ever televised. And Bob- I remember Bob Jenkins and, and Larry Newber saying, geez, uh, I don't know what's gotten into Robin Miller. He's never run this good before. What? <laughs> that's, there that's it is right a, there. That's such a beautiful car. Look at that. And Ken. I see it. That was qualifying. And so I I passed JP, and then he gave me the world's most horrendous slide job to get third place back because I knew it made him crazy. And then it it finally blew up. But there was just something cool about, you know, I think when you get to race and and you get to be, you know, how I lived with Larry Rice. He was my landlord, and that's all I did. I wrote about it 52 weeks a year in the Star, and I got to go racing, you know, five months a year in USAC and and, – Nobody had, a, had it better than I did. I mean, it was everything I could have ever imagined. We all know Robin was an accomplished journalist. In fact, one of the best, if not the best. But television threw a couple of curveballs at Robin, and sometimes he could write better than he could read. You've, you've been the best bobber and weaver in the industry, I think, of anybody. No matter how many <laughs> times it looks like you're going to be out, you end up back in. It's been amazing, but you do a phenomenal job. And I think everybody loves it because what you've always done is brought the truth. And you never really cared about who you pissed off. He was not politically correct. No, no. it was cool. And you know what? The show that was made for me, I mean, RPM Tonight, I worked at ESPN for about six years. And RPM Tonight was great because they gave me Wednesday for for USAC and, and CART at that time. And it was cool. But when I got to work for Speed and, and Dave Despain, I got to be on Wind Tunnel and co-host it with him like 30 times. That was the greatest racing show because it covered the spectrum of racing. Everybody, motorcycles, off-road, stock cars, midgets, sprints, dragsters. But there was never any, only once they said, quit making fun of NASCAR, okay? We got a lot of NASCAR fans, so get off of the NASCAR's ass. But no one ever said, you can't say this or you can't do this. And it was... And Dave Despain, it's, it, he's the best yeah. ever. Yeah. You talk about a guy that doesn't need it. You know, you guys have all done it. He doesn't need a teleprompter, and you can't tell when he's reading off a teleprompter. He's that good. Yeah. Because one night I hosted it. James Hinchcliffe and I hosted Dave was riding his motorcycle, and they had me host it. And Hinch is, is going to be, he'll end up working for NBC, and he'll be the best analyst you've ever seen. 
he was made for television. But we were doing the show, and I tried reading the teleprompter the first, you know, the, before the first break, and the guy behind the camera says, man, just don't, it's awful, don't read it, you know. <laughs> and after the second segment, they just said, do your why don't you let Hinchcliffe host the show, let Hinchcliffe host the show, and you be the guest. Oh, that's nice. So he, Hinchcliffe, he always reminds me of that. <laughs> The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Although Robin was a journalist of motorsports, he also got to know the drivers very well to the point where they took him into the friendly skies. Here are some aviation stories Robin had to share. You know, the, was it United that said fly the friendly skies? They weren't friendly in the 60s because you had Herdebees, Parnelli, Foyt, McCluskey, Uncle Bobby, Ruby. Now, I don't. I don't know that any of... I think McCluskey might have been the only one of the six that actually passed his written test. The rest of them either didn't take it or didn't pass it. Was it a written test for flying? Yes. Okay. <laughs> for flying. Sorry. A written test for flying. So one day, I'm at the star, and Herdebees calls me up, and he says, What are you doing? I said, ah, Not much, Herdebees. You want to go to Cleveland with me and get some parts? I said, Yes. So I go out, and he had a CB. He had an old CB plane, you know, amphibious and Prince's dog is sitting in the as the co-pilot, and we push it. We have to push it out of this little hangar, and Herc fires it up, and there's a little blue smoke coming out of the engine. You're thinking, well, it's okay. 
If I die, it doesn't matter. Jim Herdebees. I won't be part of the headline, but I'll die with my hero. It's okay. So we take off. His radio doesn't work. And we're flying along and about 5,000 feet, and he pulls it down to about 2,500. What's that sign say? I said, Newcastle. Okay. <laughs> so we flew to Cleveland on the interstate. And it was okay. And Prince and I got to sit, you know, Jim went and got a couple crankshafts and came back. Well, two weeks later, he flew into Toronto like that, and they arrested him and took his plane away because he flew right through the airspace in Toronto, as you can imagine. This is Herc. I'm coming in. I don't even think he told him who he was. <laughs> you know, you hear all these horror stories that, you know, my buddy Tony Bentonhausen got killed in the plane crash and Alan Kowicki and all the and Graham Hill and all the racing people that have lost their lives. And Tony Bentonhausen was as meticulous a pilot as I've ever, you know, he, he wasn't a daredevil. And yet here in the 60s were these crazy guys that no roll cage, no fuel cell, not much of a helmet. They were pretty brave to start with. So... Flying an airplane, it was like, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, it, you pull up and the thing goes up and you come, you know, I mean, self-taught pilots. Yeah. As Uncle Bobby yeah. says, I'm a self-taught engineer, honey. Well, that could be, but Rico, he landed once in Albuquerque and it was like a 90 mile an hour crosswind or something like that. Ronnie Doss, who, who was at lunch today and it was Howard Milliken's son and was a really helped Buddy Lazar win the Indy 596. Ronnie's a smart guy, and I think he might have been with him on this trip when he was like 14 or 15. But Uncle Bobby kind of misjudged the interstate and the electric guy wires <laughs> and, and the hangar. And, you know, mad, mad, mad world where the guy goes under the hangar. Yeah. I think Unser did that. Bart bounced storming. once and came back out of the... <laughs> Parnelli said one day, Parnelli said, you know, he said racing was pretty dangerous back then. He says, but so was daily life with the Unser's. <laughs> Robin shared so many great stories with us over the years. Some of them, though, he couldn't actually share on television or in the newspapers. Here's one of the great stories that involved the Unser brothers. In the mid-60s, Hertz and Avis were the only two rent-a-car companies in the United States. In North America, neither one of the Unsers were allowed to rent a car because they destroyed so many cars. We go to Mossport once. Mossport's got this blind right-hander, so... Bobby Unser talks Jerry Grant into renting a car for him in Jerry Grant's name. God rest his soul. Jerry Grant was a wonderful guy. And they were teammates. One and done. You learn your lesson. So there. they go to the racetrack. And Unser takes the keys to Jerry Grant's cars and throws, throws them 100 yards away and jumps in his car and takes off. So Jerry Grant wants to, you know, he jumps in the car and takes off after Bobby and Al Unser. They go around the right-hander. Stop the car in the middle of the track sideways, and they both run over to the side. Jerry Grant comes over, the blind right-hander, pile drives, should have killed him. I mean, you know, they didn't think about that. Broke the, broke the car in half, steam pouring out of the radiators, and they're laying on the ground laughing, and Grant's like, you, what? I can't. So not only is that bad enough, then they decide one of the cars was still salvageable, so they get another rented car, and they told Jerry, listen, We'll, we'll pay for it. Don't worry about that. But let's take this down. We'll tell them the other one was stolen. But we can get this one back. It's The wheels are still moving. You know, we got the front end bowed in. So Mossport's up on a hill, a mountain. And so they Grant gets in the car, and the Unsers are pushing him down this hill. And they're going 30, 40, 50. And he finally leaves the road, goes down an embankment. And thankfully, there's a bunch of trees that stopped him. Yeah, thankfully. They almost killed him twice in an hour. And Grant said, 
I, I, I had nobody to blame but myself. And I'm like, no shit. How could you be that stupid? You can't let the young Because he said he looked back in the rearview mirror and they're laughing as they're going faster and faster. And he's trying to keep this thing on the road. But if you guys ever get to listen to Dinner with Racers, those, those two crazy guys that do that Dinner with Racers, I put them together with Unser and it was a three-hour thing and they had to edit it. They've never edited anything, and they said they've never laughed that hard. I said, he's an American original. There ain't nobody like him. If there was one thing Robin Miller knew, it was racing talent. And Kyle Larson is one of the best today. Well, there was a point in Kyle's career where he couldn't really find a ride, and Robin recommended that he get this ride, and there was a NASCAR great that really didn't think so. Well, obviously, Robin disagreed. Okay, so Kuntz tells me about this kid. So I start watching him. He has quick time at Milwaukee. It's the first time we see him in a sprint car. And then Stuart and I are standing in the infield at Eldora when he sweeps the silver crown. And Stuart's like apoplectic. He goes, I've never seen anything like this. I said, he goes, if that kid wins a silver crown race, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write him a check for ten grand out of my pocket. I said, well, if you were smart, you'll put a contract under because all he wants to do is r- drive World of Outlaws or, or stock cars. And you got teams in both of them. And Stuart's like, well, I don't have a ride for him. I said, well, who cares? Sign him. And then next time I saw Stuart was at the Chili Bowl, he goes, God, I screwed up. I screwed up. So in those days at speed, we get to go to cover Eldora and and this four crown and things like that. So I'm on wind tunnel a lot talking about Kyle that year. So we had a deal at the end of the year, the driver of the year. And it was a teleconference with Dan Gurney, Mario Andretti, uh, Daryl Waltrip, uh, Dale Jarrett, um, Sterling Moss, for God's sake. I mean, we got everybody in the planet on this call. So everybody nominates their driver. So it's my turn. And I said, I'm nominating Kyle Larson. Uh, I've never seen any, He's the next Parnelli Jones. I've never seen anybody handle sprints and midgets. I said, sight unseen, this kid goes to these tracks and kicks everybody's ass. I said, he's unbelievable. So as I'm, as I'm talking about Kyle, Daryl Waltrip goes, now, Robin... Uh, this is a big time deal. I mean, he, I know he's probably pretty good in them little midgets and stuff like that, but now this is a, this is a big time award. Now we can't be throwing guys like that in there. And before I can respond, Mario Andretti said, uh, well, Daryl, I want to tell you something. I saw this kid run the other day and Robin's right. He's got, he's, he might be Parnelli's equal someday. He's, he's unbelievable. So Mario Andretti overcoats Daryl Walter. So then Kyle starts running, he starts running trucks. So he gets in a crash one night going for the victory somewhere. So Daryl Waltrip's saying, well, you know, you can't treat these like sprint cars and midgets. This kid's got a lot to learn. Fast forward three years later, Daryl Waltrip says, you know something? He goes, I'm, I'm the biggest Kyle Larson fan on the planet. This kid is everything I love about stock car racers, and he's the guy you better keep your eye on. So I sent Waltrip an email. I said, you hypocrite. You, I said, you don't know anything about racing. You're a stock car guy. To say Robin was unpredictable was an understatement, if, if anything. So during the interview, about halfway through, Robin just thought it was time to go. This didn't originally air, but this is how Robin exited. All right, have fun in the Chili Bowl, kid. Boys, it was yeah. a pleasure. Had a good time. All right. Thanks, Robin Miller, for coming by. We certainly appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. And uh, you have a good time at the Chili Bowl. We'll see you there, my friend. Keep the good stories coming. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be there. Wow. I'm certain of it. I'll read it. I'll read about it somewhere. In typical Robin Miller fashion, you never really knew what the man was about to do, but that is what made him such a special human being. You will be missed, Robin Miller. Godspeed, and thank you for all you did for the racing community.
boys. Had a good time. The Skinny with Rico and Ken is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.